Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ, not through any work of man, but by the grace of God alone. I'm Pastor Will Hunsaker, and in this episode of Open Your Bible, we'll begin the last chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, specifically today, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now, if you recall in the last portion of chapter 5, Paul gave some examples of what is produced from works of the flesh and the spirit. Now, these examples illustrated that our natural tendency, works of the flesh, is to act contrary to what God has deemed good, while the fruits of the spirit result from the finished work of Christ, guiding the believer to cooperate with what God has deemed good. And we don't have to really search hard to find examples of what it looks like to be in opposition to God. We do that naturally. But when we ask ourselves, what does it look like to be guided by the Spirit? Or in other words, what does it look like to be spiritual? Paul addresses that in these verses. So let's go right to the letter from Paul, beginning in in chapter 6, verse 1. Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, if, and if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. And those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Galatians 6, 1-6. through Now there's a considerable interest these days on spiritual matters. Has been for some time, actually. All you really need to do is a quick internet search and you'll be saturated with all kinds of information from gurus and witches and cults. And I hate to say even a lot of so-called prosperity teachers in our own Christian community, all telling that you can be spiritual and how to do it. I got books on it. I can teach you how to be spiritual, even without any religion or direction from God. In short, you can have a spiritual experience custom designed just for you. Now, unfortunately, the same thinking has crept into the Christian church over the centuries. You see it in all kinds of acts within different churches and rituals and ceremonies, uh, going on spiritual retreats and lighting candles and periods of fasting before certain events and chanting and practicing ancient customs of public worship. You even see it in the in the light shows and, and rock concert that are often given to invigorate a spiritual experience. You've seen this in many Christian communities as they encounter the power of the Spirit, often described as being drunk in the Spirit and displaying miraculous false healings and erratic physical behavior. However, when we read this letter from Paul, 
we quickly realize that he is describing what it looks like to be spiritual much differently than we see today. Paul describes spiritual life as something that flows through God, specifically through the Holy Spirit that embodies each believer. He gave examples of this at the end of chapter 5, what that the fruits of the Spirit look like, what, what is produced from the Spirit. Yet this fruit is not produced for our own private use or entertainment or even the entertainment of others. It is grown in the community of faith for the edification of the body, for the moving forward of the gospel. Paul teaches that spiritual people focus not on themselves, but on others. And sin is first on the list. Paul states that in verse 1. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, in other words, you are who are spiritual, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. He speaks of brothers and sisters here, implying the corporate family of believers as adopted sons and daughters of God. Spiritual people help each other. Now, we're not to expect that sin will go away. On the contrary, we're to expect sin because the flesh wars with the spirit. Paul teaches here to gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, knowing full well that we are just as sinful. The Greek verb used here for help, when he says humbly help that person back onto the right path, that verb literally means to bring somebody back to a previous condition. The Greeks would often use this verb in the practice of medicine, as you would maybe set a a broken bone, restoring it to its original place. You see the understanding there. Now, there is some critical context that I touched on earlier, or just a few minutes ago, that we do this, we help others restore them from their sinful condition, knowing full well that we are in the same condition. But here's some good context for this. It's from the David concerning our spiritual life. We should look at it this way. It's from the Psalms. He says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Psalms 14, verses 2 and 3. The condition hasn't changed since David wrote that. might have even gotten worse. It is for this corruption, though, that lives within us, that our spiritual life cannot come from us, but can only come from the finished work of Christ. The Holy Spirit that indwells all who have faith came for what Christ has done. So how else does Paul describe the spiritual life? We looked at it in sin, but he says this, he says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ as verse two. This implies that we all have burdens. I don't think anyone would argue with that. And the burdens that we often have are too heavy for us to bear alone. I mean, some are very significant. So how do we bear each other's burdens. Well, it's done in practical ways, done in many ways, but practical ways are the ones we have the most appreciation for. We have the most contact with. They're the, they're the ones that we can express quickly and easily, and we can tailor them to a person's burdens. We can just call them, see how they're doing. 
You could deliver a meal you prepared into somebody that is in distress. You could help them with some chores they've been unable to do. Take them out to lunch. Talk to them. There's many different practical ways you can help people bear burdens. But Paul adds an interesting statement. He says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. That's verse two. So Paul is reminding the Galatians here that you can't obey the law of Christ on your own. Because if you think about it, how many of us share the burdens of others perfectly? Because that's what the law of Christ, the law of God would demand. You have to do it perfectly. He says that in Galatians 3.10. Reminds us that any law must be done perfectly. Pulling us back to that law and gospel distinction here. When he says, bear each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Well, you could do it occasionally, but you can't do it all the time. We must rely on the Spirit, the finished work of Christ, to enable us to do these things out of gratitude, not by our own volition. And it was with that understanding that he added the next verse. He said, if you're thinking you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. That's verse three. A spiritual worldview is focused on Christ alone, not on yourself, and in his finished work. It's that, again, that law and gospel distinction, what you do compared to what has been done. We're unable to contribute anything on our own. Many would tell you differently, but the Bible is very specific about that. Christ bore the burden of our unrighteousness on the cross. So it is his finished work. So our brothers and sisters in Christ are no less valuable to him than we are. So we bear the burdens of others, not for good deeds to be added to our account, but so others can see the fruit of the Spirit in us and the finished work of Christ that produced it. Paul adds that we are provided gifts to be used for his glory. Those gifts will differ from person to person. He says that in verses four and five. Pay a careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. You won't need to compare yourself to another, for each person is going to be responsible for their own conduct. Paul's early description of spiritual fruit from verse five is the context for us to remember here. That spiritual fruit, that list of the things that he talked about, love being at the top, that agape love that doesn't come from us. No matter what spiritual fruit is produced within us, it all comes from God, but we forget that very quickly. We think we're having a spiritual experience that we produced. Remember, Paul is writing to the Galatians who are being misled by a religious establishment that is bent on stressing the importance of ritual and ceremony in their lives. That's how they become spiritual. That's how they've been saved. That's how they remain right with God. And no, it is not. We remain right with God with faith in Christ who died on the cross for our unrighteousness. It's his finished work. It's nothing we can do. So even our spiritual life is a reflection of what he has done. This is the distinction he is making between law and gospel. 
You don't get rid of the law. You put it in its proper place. The law is things we do. They cannot be compared to what has been done. Now, the final point that Paul makes about a spiritual life comes from verse 6. He says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. This is verse 6. Again, be careful of the doing as opposed to what has been done. So the indication here is that is for the spreading of the gospel. Teachers are dedicated to spreading the gospel. And the gospel is what? It is the person and work of Christ. We are not the gospel. Our testimony isn't the gospel. Nothing that we do is the gospel. It's all we even following Christ is not the gospel. The gospel is about him. It's all about what he has done and how that affects us. Again, Paul's messages here are always Christ-centered. This does not mean, this verse does not mean providing salary packages and, and paid vacations, lavish homes, private jets, the, the list goes on, fancy cars to pastors or their families. You don't tithe to so the pastor can have a, a glorious, wealthy, lavish lifestyle. This talks specifically about our spiritual life, sharing with those who have dedicated their lives to the will of God. We share out of gratitude for what Christ has done to further his word, to further the cause of Christ, for us to do that, to strengthen and edify other believers, not the pastor and his family. We're to take care of that if they have no other mean. It's specifically for the spreading of the gospel. That's what we do here. We're here to glorify God through his word. And pastors would be well advised to remember this little verse as well. So if we were going to summarize this set of verses from Paul, the spiritual life is not about us. It's about others. It's to ex be expressed out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us and for no other reason. Even our sanctification, being set apart from God, that's part of the spiritual life. That's not about us either. If you ask most people, well, is sanctification about you? They'd say, oh, yeah. Sanctification is for the edification of others. They see Christ in us. If God is setting us apart for himself further and further each day, that's a work of God. We're saved by Christ alone, by God's grace alone, our faith alone. Nothing we can do is going to earn us any sanctification. It is so others can see Christ's work in us. And through our spiritual life, others can see the glory of God and what he has done for us all. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you and bring you peace. Now, next up on Open Your Bibles, we will explore Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, where Paul provides yet another warning and caution to believers that whatever you plant, that is what will grow. God go with you all. And remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it did back then.